Welcome, 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 everybody. It is the breakdown for you here as we lead into week number 10 in the Canadian Football League. It is Derek Taylor at DT on OB is where you can find him on social media. I'm at TSN underscore Marsh. And of course, we are presented to you by our good friends over at Fox 40, introducing the new generation of electronic whistles brought to you by Fox 40. The new rechargeable Fox 40 electronic whistle produces 120 decibels of software defined sound power with the push of a button. Pre-order yours today. Fox40shop.com is where you can go. 120 decibels over under as you call tonight's Bombers Alouette showdown to kick off week 10. Well, I here's the thing. I'm normally very loud. Like I remember being a kid and my my neighbor's dad was like, Hey Derek, can you just take it down a little bit? We're in the cab of a truck and we're only going over gravel and you're still deafening me. Uh I I get really, I don't know why, I get super high pitched. And I go, Dalton Sean, around to Ron Carter, touch <laughs> I, I Like Mariah Carey level. And I don't know if I understand why. I mean, obviously the excitement, but yeah. why can't, like, you You know, why can't it just be Rod Smith-like when I get super excited? <laughs> I, the, I, it's funny because there was a couple of games this past week that I didn't get a chance to watch live, but I obviously wanted to know the big plays from them. And one of them being the BC Edmonton game, another one being uh, one of the Rod Smith games. And I... I was enamored with catching on to one of Rod's uh, tendencies that I picked up on on the broadcast, where if something big happens for guys like us, we yell, we exclaim, like you're talking about, like it's this big, boisterous, like, oh, wow, whatever. And Rod has this thing that he does that I find to be so cool that I will never have. So this isn't even me being like, oh, I'd love to add this to my toolkit. I'll just never have this. He just goes, oh, and just like fades away from the microphone as something <laughs> yeah. happens. And it almost like describes the action itself when you see it. It's just like, oh, intercepted. And he just starts talking through it. But yeah. you can just see him in the booth kind of like pushing away from the desk and be like, wow. Whereas like <laughs> the interception happens from Arbuckle at the end. The I guess it would have been the first of the two interceptions with like a minute 17 to go or something. Where he just threw it down the middle of the field across his body. And I'm <laughs> I, I realized afterwards I sounded like I was doing the red blacks home radio broadcast because it was just my disappointment in his decision it wasn't disappointment in like well the red blacks aren't going to come back as as somebody who studies the quarterbacks i just went and it's intercepted and that will be the ball game (laughs) (laughs) i was just like listen nick i'm not angry i'm just disappointed (laughs) (laughs) i i have one i have one where uh you you know and folks listening know like football if you're into it and, and you don't have a particular team it's it's so exciting in spots you can yeah. kind of root for everybody like oh Gino Lewis made an unbelievable double tip catch against the Bombers oh my gosh actually that's a great play so you 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 root for the play and you root for the the athletic marvel that some of these guys are so I, I'll do that but then I'll have to force myself to come back down because a bad thing happened for the team I'm calling a game for. Oh, Gino Lewis. Oh my God. That's the greatest catch of the year. (laughs) And it's a touchdown for the Alouettes making the score. (laughs) Bombers 45 and the Alouettes 20 pending the convert. I got to ask you this because just hearing you say that reminded me of a moment that I meant to tweet out and I forgot to. Um, The entire Bombers secondary and Adam Big Hill making fun of Gino Lewis's touchdown celebration when he's playing in a stadium with cutoff end zones and they threw him a fade ball and he still made the catch in a normal professional football stadium that isn't a different size of field where the backs of the end zones are not cut off. 
he catches that football and it's a touchdown. But because yep. and, and he beat Winston Rose, I believe it was one on one. Houston, Demario Houston, Houston. Sorry, yeah, Demario Houston. And sorry, Winston Rose. Uh, and I, I saw the entire secondary and Big Hill come over and giving him this, and I was like, guys, he he plays in a stadium that doesn't allow that to be a touchdown when it should be. And I, I, you calling that game live, I'm sure you saw that. And we're just like, whoa, Gino almost just had a big play. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And it was a nice, I mean, for, for, you're absolutely right. In every other stadium in the world, that's a touchdown, but it's Montreal and they go with the angles. Uh, Demario does a nice job to make sure he gets out of bounds, but yeah, it's, it's Montreal stadium nonsense, including have, you've done a game in Montreal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From your position, can you see down and distance anywhere on the field? Because from the visitor radio booth, you can't. And you have to make it up as you go. Yeah, it's tough. It's definitely. And of course, that visitor radio booth is like tiny. Like you, and especially you're working with Doug Brown. Like I was working with Morielli, who's a stick. Uh, But working with Doug Brown is like he, he gets squeezed into there in the back corner. And it's like to get in and out of your broadcast position at halftime to grab a hot dog is like a chore to get out of there. So. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not great. The only other one I found ever frustrating was BC with the tarps that were kind of lingering over the top, and you're trying to like right. lean around them to see the jumbotron so that you could get the updates on those kind of things. But yeah, um, oh, yeah, let's rank our stadiums for college games. In. <laughs> there's well, a, there's the breakdown. Winnipeg uh, and Edmonton have always been the cream of the crop for me, and the reason for that is that it's kind of like on the mez level, which you're not Tim Hortons field high, uh, but you're also not low enough that you can't get a good sense for the overall picture of the game. So I've always loved Winnipeg and Edmonton. Um, you know, I would say Hamilton being so high up makes things difficult. Uh, Ottawa, I've fallen in love with just because I've spent so much time there and I've gotten so used to it. Uh, and it's a beautiful venue and environment. So despite the fact they never win at home, apparently, which is kind of strange. Uh I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I haven't done a game in BC in forever, so it's hard for me to think of that one. But uh, BC's the same. BC's the same. You have room, but you have to lean right when they cover the upper deck. That's the that's the biggest problem there. Uh, Sask is Sask is incredible yes. in both in both booths because it, the entire glass wall just goes away, right. and there's a ton of deck space. You can have a third person in there. Shout out to John who did stats for me, and I hope still does stats stats in Sask. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, incredible Winnipeg is the one where we have to be seated to do it because uh, for folks who don't know, like the radio booth in Winnipeg, there's a big glass window that comes up. It must weigh 65,000 pounds. It's, it's big. It's like big, big, big. Uh, uh, and it comes up and I can, I can barely stand under there. So oh, I don't wow. because I'm going to get excited during the game and jump up and concuss myself. So imagine hall of famer, Doug Brown, six foot eight. He, he, he just can't, he cannot right. stand under there. So, uh, while it's a definitely loud and a great location, you're forced to sit down, which kind of takes some of the energy away. Uh, Hamilton super roomy. I love Ottawa. Ham- yo, Ham- Hamilton, yeah, Hamilton's roomy, but are you guys still squeezed way down at the end? They moved us more toward the middle. We were okay. down like the 10 or 15 yard line before, which I mean, that was the Montreal spot too. You're at the 12 yard line trying to see which which eight numbered receiver caught the ball on the far side at the opposing 10 yeah. yard line and you go squint squint the light is really kind of low too in montreal you're like 
Wolitarski with the catch. Because 82, 83, you're like, I oh man, I they're have, so far away. I was kicking myself this week, and I don't know if people realized it or not, but when Shahid Salmon had the interception for Ottawa, he was substituting in for the injured Adam Claire. And mm. the difference between Avery Williams and Shahid Salmon is 42, 43. Avery Williams a little bit shorter, a little bit bulkier. Shahid Salmon has that butterfly collar on the back of his uniform. So I don't call anything off of the television or the monitor. I, I just, I'm at the game. They pay me to be at the game. So I call things off of what I see with my eyes. And I called the interception. Shahid Salmon picks it off. And as he's running back, I had this moment where in the low lighting, running in front of Calgary's bench, I didn't see the, the collar, like the butterfly collar on the back. And I couldn't see the number. I saw 40, but I, I didn't know if it was 42 or 43. And I immediately, my like, film watching brain went in like a tenth of a second went where was the interception made oh that was in the middle that has to be Avery Williams yeah and so I basically said like Sam with the interception and I'm like oh and Avery Williams was right there and then I just I realized why am I talking I'm just contradicting (laughs) myself I was like searching for the answer so much that I was just fighting myself on national television of who had the interception and it, it just kicked into me for a second I'm like I'm just going to shut up for a second and wait until I know who has the interception here. So I just stopped talking and I waited until I saw Sam. And, and then I was like, and it is Shahid Sam. And, and, but I was just like, man, when you get those numbers that are close and those body types that are close and you're trying to see it from a weird angle and they're running through a bench and it's, they're in traffic because after a pick, it's a, it's a mayhem where everybody's yeah. turning and running different directions and stuff. I was just like, oh, that is, that's, a, that's a skill. That is a legit skill that I apparently have not mastered. I had one game last year. It was later in the season where uh, the Riders had three interceptions. I, tr- I attributed them all to Jacob Dearborn, and I'm not yeah. sure he actually got any of them, <laughs> but I was just jumping so fast. I saw three. I'm like, oh, Jay Dearborn. Oh, no, actually, it was Jeremy Clark, 37 and not 33. And you try to figure out how to correct yourself. That You, you pull back, but one of the things that, that I kind of pride myself on is being able to identify people faster than anybody on the planet. Like to be able to know the ball's going downfield. Okay, well, that's Dalton Schoen on Richard Leonard. I want to be able to say that as it as the ball's still in the air. Schoen's got to step on Leonard. And yeah, you, you, it really requires that you be very you've you've seen them a lot, is what it requires, right? right? To be able to know. And and you just get to know, okay, that well, that's that's Nick Dembski's body type, or that's it's on the outside, that's Geno Lewis jumping over dudes, right? You just get used to that. And it can be tougher with guys you don't see every week, but yeah, you I, I just I always want to have be on it as early as I possibly can with the names of I had one where uh, BC Willie Jefferson inside move on Joel Figueroa and and I was like uh, oh because I identified Willie pre snap Willie's lined up on the edge oh big move inside of uh, Joel Figueroa chase it down Rook and I was like oh my god ah that's the one I want where I identify everybody important along the way so people get it and I don't know if they care but for me it's like oh I need yeah. To, I need to get this part out because, you know, getting around Joel Figueroa is no small feat. So we should, uh, if we can celebrate that, let's do that. Yeah, no doubt. I think it's just, it's a, it adds to the broadcast, whether you're doing radio or television, no doubt. And I, and I, you know, whether or not people realize the effort that goes into that, I, we're just trying to do the best job that we can to make people enjoy the CFL as much as possible. And that's, that's certainly part of it. So, um, I, we were, this might be a little bit shorter of a podcast because we were chopping it up about broadcasting stuff even before we came on. Um, but I do want to dive into a topic that, uh, amongst the CFL on TSN conference call was quite the discussion this week, uh, which is 
you know, on our conference call, we always kind of say, hey, is there any insider information or something we should have our eyes on? Or, you know, Farhan or Dave, what are you guys working on in terms of sports center hits this week and all that? And uh, Farhan came on and he said, well, you know, we're bouncing around some NFL training camps and we've been hearing about Nathan Rourke and the NFL interest that is oh, starting, okay. starting to be sparked around him, which immediately, if you hadn't even contemplated that and you're a CFL fan right now, you're regardless of whether or not you're a Lions fan, Bombers, Riders, Elks, it doesn't matter. You probably just went, oh, no, don't do it. Don't, because that was my immediate reaction because I'm like, this is this is such a special moment to have a Canadian quarterback doing what he's doing. So my gut reaction was no. And then I won't say the involved parties that got into a very heated discussion about this, but it was basically on that call, okay, that, that's a fact of life that he might move on to the National Football League because if he's good enough, he's going to earn the opportunity. And apparently there's a variety of teams that are interested in offering him a contract at the end of the season. Regardless of whether or not BC is nice enough to release him because he has an NFL opportunity in that window in December or ahead of free agency or, uh, you know, whether they can up his pay to want to entice him to stay around because he's still on his, his rookie deal and all the rest. Is it a good thing? This was the interesting discussion. Is it a good thing if Nathan Rourke leaves for the NFL? Because there were some people on that call who said, it's a fact of life. You're good, you're good enough. You're going to go make more money in the bigger league that allows you to make generational wealth or at least have the attempt of making generational wealth that will support you and your family for a long, long time to come. And there were other people that were saying that would be an absolute disaster for the league and for the Lions and for everybody else. And I see both sides of it, which is why I kind of wanted to flesh this out for a couple of minutes here and get your thoughts on, like, what would that mean to you? Because some people will even say, well, it'll prove to American quarterbacks who aren't interested in coming up that there actually is a route back to the National Football League. If you are young enough and talented enough and you come in, you storm the league, they're going to give you the chance. So if you can't make it in the NFL right now, you should be up here playing and trying to earn your way towards your ultimate goal. Yeah. I preface this by saying maybe it's different for the quarterback, but I've not had a situation where a guy left the NFL where I went, yeah, you know what? The league is demonstrably worse. Bryant Mitchell goes, uh, Duke Williams went, Darrell Walker went, as I just name off Elks receivers from yeah, the 2017s. Yeah. Uh, all, all these guys go to the NFL, and it, it was, the league, was the league any worse in 18, 19, 21, 22? No, because for certain spots, you know, we're going to find the next guy. Rourke's an incredible story. Uh, Rourke's incredible. And the last big quarterback defection that, that hurt the league, like Ricky Ray for a bit, uh dickinson for a bit doug flutie obviously doug flutie i don't know if it hurt the league because now 25 years later i go that guy's the greatest player of all time in the canadian football league six mops in eight years and multiple six thousand yard seasons and it should have been would have been great to have him but you had him for eight years like this this one's hard because it is a quarterback and but um the Next season would be dramatically different for BC because if Zach Kolaris is the highest paid quarterback at 550, Nathan Rourke's agent wants a deal that starts at 550. And he's going to go the second he can, he's going to go prospecting and tell me the Argos aren't going to uh, throw a Bo Levi Mitchell level salary at him. Oh, we'll give you seven and a half, like just ridiculous money, right? Because Rourke's a star. Rourke's a star. He's a decent enough media personality. He's not the most gregarious guy. He's not a performer. Uh, he's kind of, 
he seems reserved, you know, reserved, shy, whatever it is. He, I got, I took from him that he kind of felt like he was undeserving of all the attention. I thought, no, you are very deserving. I just because you got it going on. I think he's um, the term I would use is not necessarily because I, I agree with the idea of like, yeah, he's not the most outgoing guy in the world and all the rest. I just think he's grounded. Like I, yeah, that's fair. that's what I take away from seeing him speak and even speaking to him when the microphones aren't on is that it's not an act that he's playing the humble guy or that he's. Um, you know, he's, he's not trying to be entertaining or he's like, and I know this from being around Zach and you do too. Zach Alaros, when the microphones are on versus Zach, when you're just shooting the shit, totally different dude. Totally. Yep. And like Bo Levi, I went and saw him in the dressing room after the game was done just to say what's up in person. Cause I haven't seen him in person in forever and totally different. Dude. Like honest, outgoing, funny, you know, poking fun at guys around. And then you turn on the microphones and it's quarterback talk. Like they turn into robots most of the time. Rourke, when the microphones are not in his face, is not a robot, but I just feel like he is who he is, and he's very comfortable in his own skin. And honestly, that's yeah. allowed. I think that's a big part of what's allowed him to have success. Because I was, I was on uh, TSN 1260 with Dustin Nielsen the other morning, and we were talking a bunch about Rourke, and I kind of had this thought rolling through my head of what has allowed him to have success. And they asked me about his process. Like, what do I actually like when I watch him play quarterback? And of course it's, it's the footwork and the timing and the arm strength and the processing and the accuracy and all these kind of buzzwords we use when we're evaluating quarterbacks. But then I really started to think it's, it's like the patience that he moves through life with. I know that's really deep, but, (laughs) but you can see like on the sidelines when he's having conversations up 40, he looks like he's the same guy as when he's trailing by seven in Ottawa in week four. Like he's still on the pad and he's still working his way through things. And he's not, you know, putting a ball cap on backwards and, you know, going and squirting fans with water bottles. And he's not that personality, but it's not for lack of, of interest in being uh, approachable. It's that he's just a very driven, very focused individual is how I kind of uh, view him moving forward here, which again is like, He's 24, and he, to me, he has the maturity of a 30-year-old at the position, and that's only going to help his opportunities when teams see that, because you know this. Like, if they're looking around it, hey, what the hell is this kid up in Canada doing? How old is he? Where did, oh, he's, oh, so he was Division One. Okay, he played in the MAC, and they start to do their homework on him. They start talking to his coaches and stuff. Every single person is going to say, oh, this, this is a world-class kid, and he's really yeah. coming into his own as a player. Yeah. So uh, the reality is he's going. The the reality I would wager is he's getting nice guaranteed money to go. I I think as does it hurt the CFL? Absolutely. I mean it 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 just it can't not hurt the Canadian Football League. But does does your kid going away to university hurt your family? Well, you'd be nice to have him at home because you love them and they they you know, they actually got good at cleaning their room the last couple of years. But it's it's just the growth, right? Not one of us. I I can't imagine a player in the last in our lifetime. Well, in our lifetimes, March. I'm a fair bit older than you, but in our lifetimes, that went. You know what? I don't want the NFL money. I don't want the potential to get forty five million dollars a year. Like there, the chance that Rourke gets uh, Kyler Murray money ultimately is pretty small. Right. The chance I get it is nil, like none whatsoever. But if you have a chance and to and to if you if you play in the CFL, you're competitive as hell. Yeah. And where would I would I want to compete on a higher level and see if I can do it? The thing I've always wanted to do. Absolutely. So, 
He's going. His agent must be, you know, making contact with everybody. Uh, he or she must be just working, working it, and and securing him because thing weird things happen, right? Yeah. Weird things happen. You have one twenty for twenty three game in the NFL, and all of a sudden they're going to throw Rob Johnson money at you, referencing back to Doug Flutie, right? <laughs> Life changing Rob Johnson money that right. you you may or may not deserve ultimately, but you get it, and the only thing that matters is you got it. So. He's going, it's probably bad for the CFL. It's definitely bad for the BC Lions because, oh, man, are they good. And just lobbing in, Antonio Pipkin wouldn't be flying this team the same way that uh, that Nathan Rourke is. So right. ultimately bad for them. But it's it just it's the fact of life. The sun rises and, and young people move on when they have opportunities to move up. Yeah, absolutely. I This is the thing that I think of when you were mentioning about, like, Kyler Murray or uh, you know, Lamar Jackson or the top of the top of the top. Like, it, it's not my place to tell Nathan Rourke, hey, you're never going to be that guy. Because who the hell knows? Like, he could turn into whatever based on what we've seen. What I am envisioning him as and the reason why he would leave, and I agree with you, it would be bad for the Canadian Football League because this is a special person, special player, special story, rare, unique. You've seen the ratings numbers come in. Like, that Saskatchewan BC game was literally the Canadian kid at quarterback against Ryder nation. And he goes in and he storms back in the second half and finds a win on the road and looks more mature than his age and on and on. And it's like, those ratings are not all based on Ryder nation or on the bombers fan base, or it's him. Like it's driven, it's driven by him. And so, yeah, there's no question. It would be a bad thing for the league long-term maybe it would be able to draw the odd person up here. I certainly think it will drive more Canadian younger quarterbacks to look at the model of Nathan Rourke, how he prepared, how he carries himself. Like it could inspire a generation in all honesty of Canadian quarterbacks. But I just picked two random names as, as you were talking there to think of giving people the idea of you don't have to be the best in the NFL to make $45 million and make life-changing money. The career earnings that I have in front of me for Case Keenum, currently yeah. the, the backup quarterback for uh, the Buffalo Bills, I have him at $48 million made in his career. Yep. Matt Flynn, obviously a bit of an anomaly. That's the one. bit yep, of an anomaly because of the huge contract that he ended up getting when he left the Packers and the Seahawks were like, you're our savior, and he wasn't. But well, because Russell Wilson came in and all of a sudden Matt Flynn was right. Who are you? And bringing it full circle, the BC Lions in the Pacific Northwest, just like Seattle, tried to play the Russell Wilson card of let's get this guy when he's on a cheap deal so that we can surround him with a bunch of talent, which they did at a very high level. And now it's like Russell Wilson slash Nathan Rourke has outplayed his young rookie contract and he's going to move on and make more money elsewhere. So, but when I see Matt Flynn, like he made Matt Flynn. Macklin hasn't done shit in the National Football League. He's not done a damn thing. Like Charlie Whitehurst. I could go on and on. And the, <laughs> the list of guys that are just like career backups who you always see wandering around the sideline. You have no idea what they're doing there. Like a couple of years ago, I saw uh, who, who was it? Matt Moore, I think, was the backup to Mahomes. Yep. I was like, the hell is he still doing in the league? He hasn't done anything. And even when he was a starter with the Dolphins, I'm like, he didn't do anything. He wasn't worthy of all this money. Matt Flynn career earnings twenty million dollars. Well, and and how about the Kirk Cousins career earnings two hundred and thirty one million dollars? He he was the first guy to get the guaranteed money, and you go, yeah. Kirk Cousins is 
in in the hierarchy of worldwide quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins pretty high, but he's a pretty mediocre NFL starter, mm-hmm. and he's made nine figures over <laughs> again. Yes. So you, you you have to you have to try that. Here's the, here's the thing. Um, like this is a, this is a once in a lifetime thing for the BC Lions, right? Nate, there's my hypothesis: zero chance Nathan Rourke plays on a rookie contract next year. No I think chance. he would have one one more D one more year, but no agent would let him play next year for seventy five thousand dollars. When you're you're giving them, he's worth like, ten times that. Well, that's the thing. Like Kalaris, uh, Natea J had Kalaris' highest paid quarterback five fifty. The surplus value, like Rourke's playing at a level. If Kalaris is five fifty, Rourke's playing at a level of six twenty five in value, or six fifty, or six seventy five in value. In, and you're totally right about those numbers. But now factor in the marketability. Like, and this is this is the real. Yep. That's why I say he's worth ten times that amount because I understand the BC Lions don't want to overwhelm him right now with things outside of football because they're having success. And I under and I am not in the local market, so I don't know if he's doing local television ads or if there's local businesses that are. But if I am the CFL and honestly ad partners of TSN, why the hell is Nathan Rourke not in every single commercial that is airing on TSN every single game? Yeah, like if if you have somebody that is playing at his level in the National Football League, they are getting the ads for Verizon or whatever the beer partner is, or they're in everything because and Nathan work as you say not the most outgoing guy in the world but he has a pretty good like sly sense of humor that you could play off of well in advertising campaigns and everybody always complains about marketability marketability of the CFL you got the most marketable thing on the planet right now and I don't see him in anything and I don't know if that's people that are scared of well if we market him up big and then he disappears we're actually hurting ourselves long term because we've lost something that we thought that we had or whatnot but I think my biggest takeaway from this whole discussion is it's going to be difficult for the league to replace him anytime soon if he goes down any sticks which I honestly think that he can based on how he is playing but I do hope that CFL fans and those around the football world don't look at this as well, the CFL is lesser than because he left to go and get that NFL money. It's economy of scale. They're a massive league with a ton more money. And if you're good enough to go make that money, you do that. It's not a slight to the CFL. It's the reality yeah. of professional football and the landscape we live in. Every, anybody who watches soccer will will absolutely understand. Hey, when Real Madrid wants to give you this money, when PSG wants to give you $200 million for Kylian Mbappe, He's going, and we're just going to have to deal with the two hundred. Maybe if there was some sort of God, what would a what would a Nathan Rourke transfer fee be to the BC Lions? Like that would be. Oh, if that we're talking be... MLS money, that'd be so that'd be so amazing. Oh, you can have him. It's just you're going to have to buy out the last year of his contract. Okay, well here's here's two point one. Okay, that sounds all right. Like, yeah, <sighs> that would transfer be... fee system. Let's go CFL. Seriously, I would yeah. I would love that, but that but that would require us to plant the flag in the ground and be like, we are the CFL yeah. and we will not give our players up. What What's the thing you've seen in Rourke? And it's only seven games so far. What's the thing you've seen in Rourke that makes you go, he he'll get he's going to get a chance in the NFL for sure. Processing speed. Yeah, hundred percent. I was gonna. I don't know it the way you do, but I watch that guy go, and I'm like, he's. And he's calm. Like, he's, it's not Bo Levi Mitchell but, like, but Bo is a guy I, I looked at in 18, 17, 16 and go, this guy's in the middle of the freeway and he's just calm as can be. Like, oh, I'm just going to slide this way. Rourke is very calm and he's considering, it looks like he's considering 
three, four, five options every play. It, well, it feels like here's here's where I differ on the comparison of Bo and him on the processing stuff. I believe Bo. Oh, Levi, I was I was just going calm in the pocket. Let's right. Go. I yeah, yeah, I agree yeah. with that. What I see when I watch Bo, especially because I watched him pretty closely leading into the game I called last week in Ottawa, is that Bo is still not that he's not pre-snap reading, but Bo is very much like okay, I pre-snapped, I know I'm going to get to my third read based on what I'm seeing, but I'm still going to work my way, like take the snap one to two to three, bang, on the money with an, an absolute dart. And, so, you know, maybe uh, 10 times a game that hits Kamar Jordan between the eight and eight and it gets dropped, uh, But <laughs> which we can talk about a different day maybe. Um, but I see Bo very much as the ultimate master of the post-snap, bing, 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 bing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even see Nathan flipping his hips or moving his eyes or when that ball snapped Rourke knows where he's going with the football like that's the thing that jumps out to me is that he's so prepared that when he breaks the huddle and leads the walk the line of scrimmage Jordan McSimmick his offensive coordinator has given him a game plan where it's like there's no doubt that he knows exactly where this is going and I think that's going to be the biggest reason why he has success here going forward that's interesting because uh I remember talking to Fajardo in, in 2021 and and he said I know, like, pre-snap, I may know where I'm going to go with the ball. I may know, okay, I'm going to have to get to my third read. But I had to force myself to go to one and to go to two because it helps sell the play to the defense, right? So that if I if I believe three is going to be, oh, I know I'm going to three. Okay, I got at least cursory go boop, boop, and then, and then three because it helps sell the play. And he felt that was – I'm paraphrasing, obviously, because I don't, again, know it like Cody does, but – that helps sell it to the defense that that this is how it works and I could I have a better chance of getting the ball to the guy I absolutely know it's going to. Uh we got a wrap here so we will thank you for listening and uh as always check out DT on the Bombers broadcast on CJOB coming up tonight uh, at DT on OB I'm at TSN underscore 